LeBron, Kyrie, and James Harden going to sign their extension. His trade value is not there. And when you hear reports... He's been paid $16 million of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their contract. What happens next year with Giannis Antetokounmpo? He will be eligible for a Supermax next summer. If he resigns a new reality, the players are going to move around. And the players are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole you know, life. And because they didn't want to go into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making $50 Million he, a home. So, he probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free I agency. I think he could have got a lot more in the offseason. You got a chance to secure the bag. You you secure, do. No question. What's going on, party people? I am your host, Stephen Bagel, and this is Sports Ether's very own The Bird Rights Podcast. With me today, everyone knows him, everyone loves him. Anyone who does knows anything about sports ethos, knows this guy. It's Rhett Bauer from the Pun Intended podcast. Look at his work. He writes for us on sports ethos. He does dynasty. He's a dynasty basketball, fantasy basketball, for dynasty league specifically, podcaster. It's Rhett Bauer, our resident Indiana Pacers, savant, enthusiast, whatever you want to call him, expert. And he's here today to break down the Pacers um, off-season review and season preview. Rhett, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I don't think expert is quite what I would say. Savant and enthusiast are on the nose, though. I, I, I appreciate you having me on, giving me a chance to talk about a team that I'm sure uh, pun intended listeners are tired of hearing me talk about in a, in, in a, in a league-wide conversation. So at least in this case, I'm sorry, they might just ignore this episode altogether because they hear me talk about the Pacers enough as it is. Yeah, and the Pacers are actually a pretty exciting team discussion right now. Um, for those of you who listened to my last episode with Lauren Gunn from the Gunshot Podcast, she's a Mavs. She's a credentialed Mavs reporter for the NBA, and we talked about the Mavs in our first of 30, as I said, off-season preview, season reviews. Red is number two to talk about the Pacers. So obviously the Mavs and Pacers differ a little bit. The Pacers are obviously on a different trajectory, which... In my lifetime, I was born in 94. This is really my first time really seeing the Pacers bottom out. Like, we, I, I've never seen – this was – I think no. it was the first time they had a single-digit draft pick since, what, 1989, I think it was? I think Something it was even seven. before that. Yeah. Oh, so maybe it was 1989. Yeah. was number 10. This is the first single-digit pick they've had in quite literally 30 to 40 years. Yeah, exactly. Miles Turner, also number 10, just – an incredible run of it's mediocre just, to good, yeah. but yeah. Not, and not the guy who's apparently better than LeBron James, according to him. But yeah. Well, you know, it, it's, LeBron just has to prove himself. You know, it's only been like 19 years of dominance. So it's that 20th year that well, we really going to nail it in. Benedict Mathurin, you know, he played a sophomore year. He wasn't one and done. He's a proven commodity at this point. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Once he gets to year 20, I'm sure we'll, we'll be able to reassess what his career is. So let's quickly talk about the Pacers cap situation. They currently right now have $94 million in committed money, and that gives them about $28 million in cap space right now, which leaves them in San Antonio as the only two teams currently in the league with like significant cap space. So let's look a year forward at next off season. The salary cast projected to go up to about $133 million, which is an $11 million spike. I'm not even going to mention the tax threshold for the Pacers because it's not going to make a difference. The we need to be worried about the salary floor right now. Like, we're not even there. So tax yeah. threshold is not a consideration. 
Yeah. So we're looking at next year. The Pacers have $66.5 million in committed money. That's literally half of the cap, which is going to be projected at $133 million. So that number, I based it off of them having 10 guys under contract. I assumed they decline Aaron Neesmith's player option. But again, we, Aaron Neesmith really hasn't had a – or not player option, team option. He hasn't really had a fair shot with the Celtics just because you know how loaded they've been the last few years. So maybe he plays well for the Pacers and they pick that up. But even so, they have – and I included Terry Taylor – his non-guarantee, I picked that up in that cap figure. So either way, even if they pick up Neesmith, they're still looking over $60 million in cap space. The issue is that San Antonio, Houston, and Detroit are also going to have over $60 million. And this is the first NBA offseason ever where four different teams have over $60 million in cap space. It is completely absurd. The cap space, the total salary cap wasn't even $60 million 15 years ago. And now we have teams with that much in cap space. So yeah, I, I have no clue what they're going to do with it. And I think you're seeing it now too, is like, they're not doing anything with it. They tried, but now we're just kind of sitting and waiting without hitting the salary floor. So something's going to happen. I just have no idea what. Well, let's talk about what they did try. For a lot of you who actually told me to delete my Twitter because I was wrong. I apologize. I didn't do that. I, I didn't own up to what I said I would, but I was very, very, very confident and the one day in, in my mock off, let me go back to my mock off season that I did for sports ethos. Even then, when I did my mock off season in May during the NBA finals, I paid DeAndre Aiden to Indiana, but I had it in a sign and trade for Miles Turner and Chris Duarte. I ran it by Red and he hated it. He said, we shouldn't have to give Chris Duarte in that. Yada, yada. Okay. I, I admit I was wrong. But then by the time DeAndre Aiden did sign with Indiana, I said, cool, I hit it spot on. However, I don't think it's going to be Duarte. I just think it's going to be a milestone or straight up. Suns will extend him, give him a three-year extension. And then, you know, they get the Pacers get Aiden. Everyone's happy. I to my took was going to take that to my grave. I said, okay, the second that tweet came out, I said, okay, so they have till midnight to get the signing trade done. It's happening. Miles Turner is a son. DeAndre Aiden's a pacer. This is happening. I fully admit I was wrong. So, Rad, what, what do you think of just the whole saga? I mean, you guys made the cap space to get Aiden. Now he's not there. You're still stuck with Turner. Turner's been on the trade block for years. It seems like you guys hit a home run with the Sabonis trade because you know that Sabonis and Miles Turner pairing wasn't exactly working. So how do you just assess this whole situation? with all the paces are at now. I think it was the the perfect way to do it, in my opinion. Like, I know we didn't get Aiton, so that might sound dumb, but I think more than anything, it was a signal to the, the fan base and the league that the Pacers are going to be a bit aggressive in going out to get players that they want because, historically speaking, Herb Simon has hated restricted free agency, has once in the last... 20 something years has received a player from restricted free agency. And I think it was Chris Copeland. And so it, that's just not something that they do that you guys will remember that they traded a first round pick and a couple second round picks to get Malcolm Brogdon, despite having the cap space to get him. And so to be able to make the moves and aggressively pursue somebody like Aiden, who I didn't love giving him a max deal, but he's a max player. That's just kind of how the league works right now. And that's definitely what you had to give to pry him away from the Suns if they didn't think he was a max player. I 
don't really care about cutting or uh, wave and stretching Nick Stauskas, Juwan Morgan, and Malik Fitz. Don't care about that at all. I also don't really think cutting Dwayne Washington that Jr. Was my next is, I don't think that's that big of a deal. Look at the Pacers roster. Look at how many guards they have. Where were the minutes for Dwayne Washington going to be? Mm-hmm. And is it ironic that the Suns signed him to a two-way? Yes. Does that mean that we lost the deal and that the Suns were playing 4D underwater chess because they kept Aiton and then got Dwayne Washington? No, it doesn't. That is not a big deal in the grand scheme of what the Pacers were trying to do. And as far as the sign and trade with Miles and Aiton, I didn't want to do that either because Miles Turner right now should have at least a decent first round value, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, depending on the salary that you have to send back. So like you're just giving them that player addressing the need that they would have after choosing to be cheap with Aiton in the first place. And then there were plenty of reports out there. And like you said, you wanted us to throw in Duarte as well. There were stuff out there. like, Oh, you got to give a first round pick. You're going to give them, you know, whatever back. And that just doesn't make any sense to me because the, the Pacers are not in a situation where they need to be that aggressive going out and getting a player, especially a center, because we know how not unimportant, but we know where the league is and it's on the perimeter. So I think it was handled perfectly. Even if it didn't work out, we'll just now have to see what happens with miles. And it's one, I would have loved to be a fly in the wall during those negotiations. Like I'm sure Kevin Trichard called um, James Jones or whoever in the Sunstone office. Hey, Aiden sounds selfish. you know, we'll give you Miles Turner and a second or whatever it may be. They probably said, no, you want Miles Turner and a first, blah, blah, blah. We're just going to match anyway. So I, I just would have loved to see how these negotiations went down and what ultimately, you know, how that went down. Because, you know, the Suns, when Aiden officially signed that offer sheet, it was what? Within 15 minutes that the Suns matched. Yes. Yeah. So, and I do yeah. believe that Miles Turner was on the table for a sign and trade. I think it was the I'm, additional I'm assets on top of Miles that I'm sure Phoenix wanted that is where it broke down, and rightfully so, in my opinion. And Miles Turner is going to be interesting to see because he's extension eligible. He's a free agent this upcoming um, season. This is last year of his deal. I wonder if, you know, he maybe what Phoenix might have said, hey, we'll give you that four for $97 million extension or close to it. Maybe they said four for 80 and Turner five said, no, I want the full four for 97. And that's where it broke down. That, that's a very conceivable aspect of this, that Turner might not have wanted to sign an extension with Phoenix. And that's why they didn't do the signing trade. That could have been part of Phoenix's unwillingness to just take miles straight up. Right. Like, cause not being able to retain him miles is an unrestricted free agent next year. So he will be testing free agency. And the whole thing with his extension is miles extension right now would put him about what the free agent market for him is going to be. And so if you're miles, he's 26. So it's not like if he has some injury this year, he's not going to get signed next year. Like he's a very unique player in his skill set, And I think that there's no way he signs an extension unless it somehow is a renegotiate and extend with all the Pacers cap space that they have right now. You bump his salary up this year to 30 million. Then you give him a $20 million a year extension off of that. I don't know if that's even an option, but it does seem like 
Miles will be testing free agency, and I think that is where the Pacers will likely not have him on the roster by the time the trade deadline bell rings. Well, you have to. If he's not going to sign extension, you have to trade him by the deadline. I mean, and I do think that whichever team goes for him, whether it be, I know he's speculated to the Hornets for years just because of the need that they need a center. Um, so let, let's just say the Hornets, for example. Um, you know, okay. I'll sign an extension with you, even if he doesn't. I don't think the Hornets are going to be good enough that they should trade for Turner for just one year. I think they would need to have an extension in place. If not, then trade for a Rashawn Holmes type guy who's under contract. But I I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see because Turner could sign an extension up until June. So whatever he is traded to, he is eligible to sign an extension. The Pacers have to get something for him. They can't let him walk for nothing because, you know, that would – I don't like using the word malpractice, but that's more or less, you know, you got to get something for that asset. Right. It's just another gamble, right? It's just like signing Aiden to that offer sheet and gambling that the Suns wouldn't match. And then you lost a couple low end 11th to 15th men as the cost of doing it. Miles, it's a little bit different because I would imagine that there are real assets out there for him right now. And there will continue to be those assets as we approach the trade deadline, just because of how good he can be. And he could that's before he could protect the rim. And that's right. a very rare three and D center combination that you don't see too often. Right. Even if his shot isn't where you would want it to be and defenses don't guard him like he's some knockdown shooter because he really isn't, but he still does what he does better than just about anybody. Like there there's, I don't know if there are two other shot blockers better than miles Turner in the league. And I don't know how many other centers are out there able to stretch the floor and and put the ball on the floor occasionally to attack a closeout. So he's a very valuable player. In my opinion, I appreciate that the Pacers seem to be treating him as much as well. Otherwise he would have been a Hornet two years ago. Yeah. And maybe he will be, and we're going to get to that. Um, The last thing I just want to note is a lot of times I know Aiden's not eligible to be traded for six months and not eligible to be traded to Indiana for a year, but there's a lot of times where the smoke, those fire and a restricted free agent ends up where he wants anyway. I mean, I'm thinking way back when Gordon Hayward was coming off his rookie deal and he signed with the Hornets initially, the Jazz matched it. Then you see seven years later, he ends up going to the Hornets anyway. Um, I'm thinking D'Angelo Russell, when everyone said he was going to Minnesota to play with Cat when he was a free agent, he ended up going to Golden State, but then all of a sudden he ends up in Minnesota anyway. So, and again, you see this with Victor Oladipo, everyone said he wanted to be in Miami to begin with. He yep. ended up in Miami one way or another. So yes. it's definitely a player ran league. It really wouldn't shock me if, you know, two years from now, Aiden is a Pacer, or even at the end of this contract that he just signs, he then goes to the Pacers then. So I think the league dates are going to be very, very interesting for the 2023 offseason because I don't know how feasible this is. I don't know what the options are, but there could be a Miles Turner, DeAndre Ayton sign and trade again potentially next year when Miles Turner is a free agent. Like, I don't know about that. Possibly. I don't, I don't know what the details of that would be. And obviously the dates would have to line up to where miles wouldn't have signed with somebody else in order to get past that year mark. And then it'd be enough salary to bring it back in. I don't know the details of it, but that would just be kind of ironic that that could be an option. Assuming the Pacers don't trade him before then. 
it definitely could be. I, as I said, he's eligible for four for 97. So figure he gets a Neo Max. Aiden signed for, let's see, I have the Suns cap sheet in front of me. Aiden signed for a little bit more than that, but they have cash for the same way. Aiden signed for 31 mil starting. So he'd be a 32 next year. They, they could make it work either way um, without including Duarte as just, just so everyone, I know I said Duarte and Malsono, but I apologize profusely. Okay. He, he means that we need to include Matherin. That's what he's, that's what he's hey, off on to. <laughs> okay. So as I said, the Pacers have about $28 million in cap space right now. There's really, at this point, free agency is mostly dried up. There's, you know, the Blake Griffins, the Marcus Aldridge's guys like that. Obviously, the Pacers aren't going that direction. What do you, there's a few guys, there's four guys I have listed right now that I think the Pacers would be wise to go after. The first one is Colin Sexton. I mean, I know the Pacers already have a bunch of guards, but figure Heald's eventually going to be traded, figure McConnell's eventually going to be traded. And again, you cannot, I know he's not a wing, but he could kind of shift Mithorin to the wing or Matherin. I always pronounce his name wrong. Um, you could always shift him to the wing, start Sexton alongside Halliburton. You have that microwave score who's pretty efficient alongside Halliburton in between Matherin, in between Turner until you trade him. I think that's, you know, not the worst. He would cut in. At this point, he might be wanting to take a one-year deal given he would be playing on qualifying offer anyway. It would just have to be an awful large enough that Cleveland wouldn't feel comfortable matching. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe two for 30 with it or two for 32 with a team option on year two. I mean, is that something you would be okay with? I don't think so. Just because we need wings so bad. We need wings so bad. We already have so many guards and I know we have healed. Who's probably going to be traded and we have McConnell who's probably going to be traded, but I want the ball in Halliburton's hands as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And the next two people I want taking those shots after him are Matherin and Duarte. Like those are the future pieces of the team and the Pacers, Carlisle, Kevin Pritchard, they've all been on record saying they want to improve defensively. I don't think they've made any moves that have done that and trading away miles is unlikely to make you better defensively, but bringing in somebody like Sexton, who, even though he had an incredible season scoring, He's a small guard, and I just don't see that being a great fit with Halliburton. Halliburton can play with anybody, but I just don't. Halliburton is your star. Yeah, he he, he is. There's no doubt about it. So, like, when I say it's not a great fit with Halliburton, I mean that I don't think they would maximize each other. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't have complementary skills, and they don't cover each other's weaknesses. So that's what I mean when I say that they're not a great fit, because – I don't ever see Sexton having the opportunity to score as much as he did in the season where he scored 24 points a game. Like I don't, I don't see him being a good enough player to warrant that many shots and that much control of an offense. He might do that like on a pace to score 24 minutes or 24 points a game. If he played 34 minutes a game, but he's probably only going to have a role of 26 minutes a game. And that's just not somebody I want to give $16 million a year to, even if it would be in a two-year deal where you would have a team option and you could go a different direction next year and kind of just roll your cap space. Yeah. So, okay. Then the next guy I have on my list is another small guard, and that's Sharif Cooper, who was recently waived by the Atlanta Hawks. I just figure, you know, it's a, again, I know we just talked about Sexton as a small guard. Cooper, it's more taking a flyer on a guy who was really freaking good in college, 
uh, elite playmaker. Had he not gone one and done at Auburn and fell to 45 in the draft, he probably would have been top 10 pick this year. So again, just guy, maybe take a flyer on, but he's not going to, you know, really impact one way or another. Throw him on the last roster spot and see what you got. The next yeah. guy is Jordan Noir. I'm just going to bump these guys together and then you can. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Jordan Noir from the Bucks. He's restricted. I would love it if he could play time on the wing, on the four for Indiana. He showed flashes last year, but just in Milwaukee, he's not going to get consistent playing time. And I think there's a reason that he's still out there and not signed yet. Yeah, absolutely. Sharif Cooper, shout out Tony East, the host of the Locked On Pacers podcast, because he was absurdly high on Sharif Cooper last year. Actually ended up taking him, I think, with the 13th overall pick in the uh, Locked On NBA mock draft last year. So uh, thankfully that didn't happen in reality. I don't think Sharif Cooper is going to make the league. I wouldn't hate him as a last ditch uh last man on the roster get him in your g league team and see what happens but i'm not uh investing significant assets into him jordan wara i have been screaming on my timeline every time a wing gets signed for something that's just absurdly low because the pacers have all of this cap space and is not uh, they're not using it on any wings jordan wara would be excellent i would love to take a chance on him uh, the Bucks just drafted Marjan Beauchamp from the G League Ignite, who I imagine is like their yeah, exactly. They're just gonna slide him right in uh, team control for a bunch of extra years. And Nuora is restricted, but I imagine if you go in there and give Nuora like seven million a year, mm-hmm. I don't think the Bucks are gonna match. I was like gonna they say six and a half to seven Bucks. Yeah, with the luxury tax situation, I don't think they could match. No, exactly. And so like you're telling me, you can get a six, eight, six, nine plus plus rebounding wing on the team. Like you want to talk about with a good fit with miles Turner, like Turner's downfall is not a great rebounder. Nora is a good rebounder and you don't have players like Nora on the team really who are actual forwards, right? Like you have centers who are playing forward and then you have shooting guards who are playing forward. Like you don't have actual forwards beyond O shape set. So I would love to bring in Nora and, I think there's a reason why he's still available and there are other dominoes to fall uh, involving teams with cap space that are interested in him, but seeing what they have left over after bigger moves take place. And I mean, the Pacers just signed Jalen Smith to 15 and a half million over three years. New Orleans flashed way more than Jalen Smith has. So no, no, sir. No, sir. To close out the year, Jalen Smith was really good. Okay, yeah. Uh, Let me correct myself. Jalen Smith, during his tenure in Phoenix, did not not produce much at all. Right. Jalen Smith, with his tenure in Phoenix, is on the Jarrett Culver treatment right now, whereas he's not signed. So, yeah, I'll correct myself on that. But Noir would definitely flash last year, needless to say. I'm not going to put Jalen Smith down to uplift Noir, but I'm just saying I think Noir with that $6.5 to $7 million a year price range Yep. Isn't you know that far fetched for what is he twenty four? I, I think younger because he declared after sophomore year of Louisville. I was gonna say maybe twenty two, twenty three, but either way, let me look that up. I'm curious. But Jordan Noir twenty three point nine. Okay, then there we go. You were just about spot on. So okay, then yeah, fits the timeline, fits the scheme, fits a need. Everything about Noir screams Indiana Pacers to me right now at this point. 
And again, they'll want a few teams, them in San Antonio, the two teams with cap space that could, you know, really go after. I like him for San Antonio as well. Okay, then the last free agent I want to talk about, again, to every listener out there, I get it if you want to skip past this. It's, com- it's completely taboo, but I wouldn't be doing my due diligence if I didn't talk about it or at least mention him. Red, if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, let me know, but that's Miles Bridges. Oof. I'm, again, yeah. a very, I don't know what kind of deal he'd be getting at this point. He's not going to get anything until Charles is over. So maybe I'm thinking next year with your cap space. I, even if you gave him a shot this year, I just, I don't know what the contract will look like. I don't know what Charlotte would be willing to match. I'm just saying that type of player, an athletic wing who could play the four, would fit in so well. And I thought going into the year, if going into the offseason before these domestic violence issues came up, I thought it was either Aiden or if not Aiden, Miles Bridges would have been an awesome fit. That is what I believe was the plan heading into this offseason. And there's a lot of speculation about that as well. I mean, you're so close to max cap space. And if you have to choose, are you going to choose the 24-year-old 6-7 wing or are you going to choose the 23-year-old center? Yeah. Like you're going to choose the wing. I would want like just on like a personal thing, like I would want no part of bridges and I would be extremely, extremely disappointed in the Pacers. If they, if they signed him, I would like, if you completely remove the human side of it and you just look like logically, it's like, okay, that's a, that's a decent flyer. But Mm -hmm. like, I just don't think you can remove the human part of it from this because it's such a big piece. And I would not want them to take uh, any assets into miles bridges at the moment, even if it wouldn't take that much. I just don't think you can do that as any NBA organization that honestly, um, yeah, even the that Hornets haven't, you know, no. anything with them. And I, it's it's hard to even consider signing him. As, as good of an NBA talent as he is, you know, there's a human element of it. And I, I just don't I, – I think the legal process is going to have to play itself out before he's playing in the NBA. So I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. No, definitely not. I Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm comfortable talking about it because it's a very easy no for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. No problem. So I'm going to give some potential trades. I'm going to then talk about free agents in the 2023 offseason. And then we'll quickly preview the season and, you know, starting lineups, closing lineups, what do you expect, everything like that. So I'm going to just quickly run down the veterans on the roster. Give me a percentage that of the odds of them being traded by the trade deadline. What do you know? 90. I'd say probably 70 just because he has a couple more years on his, he has one more year on his deal after this year. Maybe so. Uh, But if Rick Carlisle continues to use him like he did to close out the year, he is going to be a positive asset on that deal. And that's somebody worth going after. I think. Miles Turner. 50, 50. Ooh, I think that's like 85 just because he's expiring. You got to get something for him. I know. I just think there is a chance that, they extend him okay i don't know i it's so up in the air i feel like if there was a deal that the pacers were comfortable with they would have taken it already yeah that's fair so daniel tice i don't think there's a team that's gonna want him really not on the contract that that was was a negative to the Drogdon deal which we could talk about but yeah i'm gonna say like 30 percent he gets traded tj mcconnell 
He has a few years probably left on his less deal. Than, so. Less than 30. I would say probably like 20%. I don't think that McConnell gets dealt. I just don't. I, I was going to say 40 just because teams always need like a good backup point guard. And he doesn't make too much money. So it's yeah. easy to trade for him. Guys like that always seem to, you know, move at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely understand it. I just think the... Hey, I'm a Sixers fan. I I, I <laughs> loved watching T.J. McConnell grow as into who he is now. Yeah, I, I just think that the Pacers are going to want... Rick Carlisle loves T.J. McConnell. And it him. seems like the Pacers love T.J. McConnell. And if you want to have somebody behind a guy like Tyrese Halliburton... T.J. McConnell is a great, great, great option to be both a mentor and also a leader for the locker room. Even and if, everyone loves him. Right. Everyone loves him. Yeah, so there's some intangible stuff there that I think makes it unlikely he gets moved. Okay, Goga Batadze. Uh, 20% just because I'm not sure what his market's going to be. Yeah, I think he's an expiring. I think someone would take a shot on him. I'd say probably 50. Last guy, Chris Duarten. Controversial. 0%. Zero. He's going to be what? 20%. I'll say one. There's not a 0% chance of anything happening in the yeah. NBA, but it's a 1% chance he gets moved. Okay. Quickly, let's just talk about the Brogdon trade. I mean, do you, obviously the Pacers couldn't have done better because they would have. It just seems like, I don't know if it was something with Brogdon's medicals or, but they ended up settling for a late first round pick plus Neesmith, plus they had to tie, take Tice's awful contract, which I guess they're okay with given the amount of cash space they have, but bad money is bad money. So how did you read that situation? I mean, I I thought at the time it was atrocious. Now that I've had time thinking about it, look, they did get a first-round pick for a guy who's probably going to max out of playing 50 games a year. But I'm I'm just surprised no team with a better pick really offered anything for Dragon. I think the hardest part is the salary matching, right? Mm -hmm. Like, And that's the thing that – Boston, they gave up no rotation players to get Brogdon. And like, that's huge. If $22 million a year isn't that much in the current NBA, but you're going to give up somebody significant. And I think the teams that had significant players under contract that had interest in Brogdon, like, let's say the Clippers, like what are the Clippers giving up? Norman Powell and Robert Covington combo, something. Right. But like, do the patients want to take on that much long-term money? We saw what Norman Powell and Robert Covington were dealt for. And it was... Mm -hmm. Keon Johnson, like and I mean, that's it. Could, it could have conceivably been Reggie Jackson, who's on and expiring. Yep. And then like, um, I don't know, like, yeah. Then Covington Powell or Luke Kennard or someone. Right. So I, they I would just, have had to take on some long term money. Which honestly, if they took on like let's say Covington and Reggie Jackson, they only would take on three extra million dollars, and they would have on Tice, and they would have got out of here sooner. I think and the underrated part of this. Later. Yeah, the the underrated part is that they did create cap space. Like this was a huge move towards them having max cap space. And so that flexibility, even if it didn't work out, is something that I think got lost in this trade. Because if you look at it, like if you take the salaries out of it and you're just like, oh, Brogdon for who? Tyson, Neesmith and a first, like that seems pretty terrible. But the extra salary that the Pacers created is pretty fantastic. And even if they don't end up doing anything big with it, I like Neesmith as a flyer. Kevin Pritchard seems to have a type with these second draft kind of guys going out and getting players who are underwhelming in their current situation due to lack of role or whatever you want to say. And then getting a first round pick for like, it's going to be late. Like it's going to be 25, like it's going to be the 25th pick, but 
I mean, it's still an asset, right? Like, and, and we're seeing now the drafts are getting so deep. Like, there's good players available at 25. Like, and Blake, it was 2023 first, and right. this class is going to be loaded. This right. Year. I'm looking up right now who was the 25th uh, pick in this year. I think it was Blake Wesley. Um, yeah, Blake Wesley to the Spurs. Like, I would love Blake Wesley and Aaron Neesmith for Malcolm Brogdon. And even, even without putting that specific name to it, you can got yeah. Patrick Baldwin Jr., Nikola Jovic, Ty Ty Washington. Like, there's so many guys in these deep drafts as we move forward that it's it is a late pick, but there's still value to be had there. So I, I'm perfectly content with that kind of deal, uh, even if it is a little bit underwhelming. But I think that just speaks to how uh scared people were of Brogdon only playing 50 games like you said yeah there was speculation that Brogdon was going to go to Washington for the 10th pick no I was psyched about that (laughs) there was speculation um who else the Knicks wanted him if they struck out on Brunson and you know I feel like once Brunson you knew was going to go to the Knicks and Monte Morris was traded to the Wizards the point guard market was kind of you know vanished so this wall goes to the Clippers too yeah so there really wasn't that many scenarios for Brogdon to go to at that point. So, yeah, I mean, you got a first-round pick for him. It, it seems to be the only first-round pick that they were offered. They got a flyer on Neesmith, and it came at the expense of taking Tice. But cap space doesn't seem to be an issue. I mean, the Pacers have so much of it, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have that. Obviously, they created, I think it was like $7 million. Like, mm-hmm. that's a decent chunk. Like, that's Jordan Nora money. Like, they could have And that, that ended in. up giving them the opportunity to match for Aiden, which obviously, you know, didn't happen. But Right. Yep. Okay. So now let me run through. I have a handful of trade possibilities we'll go through. Um, I'll quickly run through them because I have about 12 listed. We don't need to talk about all of them in depth. Just, just to give Pacers fans an idea. Obviously, you know, the front office is my thing. I love coming up with mock trade scenarios, possible signings, everything like that. I initially thought Brogdon and Buddy Hill were going to end up on the Lakers for Russell Westbrook and those 27-29 first. Now I'm thinking it would be Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, and you force the Lakers to take on Tice's bad money for Westbrook and those two first. I don't think Tice can be aggregated just yet. Yeah, yeah, what is it? Three months, I believe. I think so. so. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, absolutely. I've been trying yeah. to do so the let, same let's thing. Let's just hypothetically say either at the deadline or whenever Tice is eligible, yeah, even without Tice, the money would work. But obviously, the Pacers would want to get off that money. Um, yeah. Westbrook, for Pacers fans wondering why would we want him, he's an expiring deal. So Getting off of Heald gives you even another $19 million in cap space next year, which will put you at $85 million in cap space, which at that point, that's kind of ridiculous. What are you possibly going to do as a retooling team with $85 million in space? But, you know, you're doing it to get the, those Lakers assets, the 27 first, the 29 first. Who knows the state of the Lakers at that point? Yeah, I'm in, so Tice can't be aggregated for two months. And that okay. date actually is August 30th. So we are two weeks away from when Daniel Tice and Buddy Heald can be traded for Russell Westbrook and a pick. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't see a problem with that at all. Uh, I would want, if it's just Buddy Heald for Russell Westbrook, then I think it's a first. If it's Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, then I think it's easily two first, probably a swap in there as well. But I just don't, I don't know if that's going to be the move. I really don't. I'm perfectly on board with it, especially if Westbrook takes a buyout and we can cut like 
seven million from his salary, just like Wall did. But I also don't know if Westbrook would be signed to a team if he got bought out. Is that here's crazy a, to here's say? the thing that I said on last. He'll, I think, he'll definitely be signed just because of the name. I mean, Boogie Cousins is still signing contracts somewhere. That's um, true. And, and Boogie Cousins is one of my all-time favorite players. Um, obviously, he's not signed right now at this moment. But um, but th- what I said with Lauren Gunn on my last podcast was the issue is once you become that buyout guy, that's who you are now. Like you're a bench guy. You're, you're no longer Russell Westbrook. You're okay. We could get him for a veterans minimum. Okay, we could get him for the taxpayer MLA, which is what John Wall ended up taking with um, the Clippers. So that's the thing. I don't know if Westbrook's going to want want that to be his new image. I mean, I'm yeah. assuming if that trade would happen, he would be bought out. That's the only way that it happens, or he just stays at home. There, there is zero yeah. percent chance he plays a game in a Pacers uniform. I, I can tell you that for sure. But I, I think it would be a home run move for the Pacers. Just because you know the expiring deal and you're getting those Lakers picks, you're essentially getting a first for healed, first for Turner, and getting off the healed money. That that's what you're doing. And those yeah. picks probably be close to unprotected, just because the Lakers can't really protect them because yeah. of how many other picks they owe to the Pelicans because of the AD trade. The only way to protect them is if it's one year of protections and then they turn into seconds. And I think that would be a yeah, deal breaker the for the Pacers because, mm-hmm. like, I'm not getting two seconds. Like, it's the first. That's the whole point of the deal. So maybe they do one of them, like top 10 protected, the other one unprotected, something like that. Yeah, something. Uh, I I think that's what the general consensus has been, is it's not going to be too unprotected. But I also just don't know if this is even going to happen. I, I think once that August 30th date comes around, it gets way more interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I I don't know. That, that seems like a non-Pacersy move. But again, this offseason's kind of been full of those with Aiden being signed. Yeah. Okay. So then let's talk about the next guy on my list. And it's a guy who initially there was speculation that he was going to the Pacers, ended up, you know, it didn't work out, ended up going to the Hornets, and that's Gordon Hayward. At this point, it wouldn't make that much sense, really, for the Pacers to go after him just because, you know, they're retooling. But I'm thinking more along lines of, like, if you need the salary matching for a Miles Turner deal – it would be something on the lines of Buddy Heald and Miles Turner for Gordon Hayward, Mason Plumley, and then whatever picks the Hornets would give you, which I don't even know if the Hornets would really want to give a whole lot of picks in that scenario, so I don't know how feasible it is. I think I'd be okay with something like that as long as they're not looking at Gordon Hayward as an asset, really. Like, it's more of just like a storyline to get some people into the building and then you get a first or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what it would look like, but um, he's a wing, so I, I've been clamoring for wings, so I guess I'll take what I can get. Okay. What do you think of John Collins? I would love John Collins if we still had Miles Turner. Because I'm thinking of like a John Collins for Buddy Heel type swap, but then the paces would probably have to get some kind of compensation, which – Obviously, they're not exactly in position to do. So, again, I don't know how feasible that one is. I think that that would be okay as long as the Hawks ended up getting somebody probably more well-fitting than Buddy Heald from a different team. So, like, I I don't think the Pacers are planning on making the Cavs pick or the Boston pick next year. Like, I I would – imagine that those just get included. So like, let's say it's Buddy Heald 
and those two firsts for John Collins. And then those two firsts get rerouted to another team that can send about $20 million in matching salary. That's a decent player that can go back to Atlanta. Like, I don't know exactly what that would look like, but that's a framework that I've kind of been toying with too. So you'd because, want to keep Hield in that scenario and just have Collins go into the cap space. Uh, Well, I mean, yeah, but ideally I would want Heald to go out uh, to, okay. to a, to that third team that's interested okay, in those it. picks uh, to then send that other salary out. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know exactly what that would look like, what kind of player, um, but I would definitely want John Collins. That's for darn sure. Yeah. I, I, and I, I think he's a great fit for what they're doing as well. Um, Kobe White. And keep in mind, he's a free agent after this year. So he's also going to be on my list of potential free agents for this upcoming offseason. Yeah, I think Kobe White is definitely a buy low. And he's a guy I, I tell people to buy low on with pun intended as well, because he's he's actually a pretty decent player. I just think his role has been so diminished from, you know, being a young gun on an up and coming team. That's like trying to figure out what they have. And then all of a sudden it's Levine, Lonzo, DeMar, like they're just good. Um, I'm not sure. Dasunmu emerge. He might Dalen Terry. Yeah. He might only be in that rotation start the year to stop his trade value. Yeah, I, I would not expect him to be a featured player. Caruso, like, yeah, exactly. they've, they've got a lot going on. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely wouldn't uh, – I definitely wouldn't put too much value into him um, just because he, he – it would be like a Goga swap. It would be like Goga for Kobe White, something like that. Yeah. That's pretty much all that I would want to give. Would you do the Goga in a second, something like that? I mean, I think they're going to, I just think the Bulls want to recoup some kind of value. I'm sure they would. Yeah. And at that point I'd be like, okay, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't really care. You would have to really believe in Kobe white. And with the Pacers just taking Andrew Nimhard too, I doubt they would want to just like give assets to bring in another, 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 another guard. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but yeah, that's so low impact that if, if that's what it is, then whatever, I guess. Another one I have is we already talked about Colin Sexton, but let's say Kevin Love in a swap. They give Kevin Love and you get another cast first for Buddy Heald. Now, the Cavs already have a decent amount of wings slash guards, so I don't know how much they'd want Heald, but I figure he'd be like the Sexton replacements. LeVert they haven't extended yet. It's another guy under contract, something like that, where Kevin Love's an expiring deal. You get off of Heald's money and recoup a pick. I think the Cavs would would love to have buddy I think Hill. I think they would too. they don't have that shooting at all like they are they are at a huge deficit of of shooting and I think the ultimately what would probably happen is the protections on the 2023 pick that the Pacers currently own of the Cavs would just go away they would yeah. go down to like top eight protected or something like that. And then you, maybe you get future second or something like that. Um, as far as getting another pick in the future, I think, I mean, I would be okay with that depending on what it was and what the protections were, but yeah, I definitely think um, a, a love for healed swap makes some sense. I just imagine that the Cavs are going to want to aim a little higher with a guy like loves expiring salary being so big. Okay, yeah. And then the next guy I have is Tim Hardaway Jr. Flipping, as we said, 
Cleveland doesn't really have a shooting. Dallas doesn't really either. Dallas plays a five-out system around Luka where they could really use the knockdown shooter. I think they would target a guy like Luke Kennard, but Buddy Hill would be a good fit as well. Tim Hardaway Jr. would have to eat an extra year of his deal. But if they were willing to throw in some kind of pick or something for Buddy Hill, I think that would be a home run. Yeah, it's interesting because DSJ... Yeah, Hill's a better shooter, and Tim Hardaway Jr. is a better shot creator. But if you have any sort of picks, I think I would do it. I... It depends on, again, the protections and all the details. If you can just get a pick that's likely to be a pick mm-hmm. and you can extend it out to 2027 or something like that, then THJ's deal is declining. So it's 17.9 next year and 16.2 the following year. So you are taking on 16.2 in a year where Tyrese Halliburton's contract gets really expensive, assuming mm-hmm. he gets the max. So I do I don't think the value of that would be equal to a first, but I also don't know for sure. I, I like that THJ is more of a wing sized player. Um, he's, he's definitely still a shooting guard, like just like Buddy Heald is, but at least he's probably just slightly better suited to play the three than Buddy is. So if that, if that's what it is, then that's fine too. Luke Kennard, let's say, they throw in, I don't know. I, I, I think the salary matching would be Tice. It doesn't even need to be salary matching. They could probably just take Kennard into the cap space, but you're going to be eating, same thing as Tim Hardaway Jr., those extra two years. And, you know, the Clippers, deep into the tax, could get some tax relief. So I would, it, it, basically, Kennard for free. Would that be okay? Or do you not want to eat that salary? I probably wouldn't want to eat that salary. Give me Brandon Boston Jr. We can call it a deal. Okay. Brooke Lopez and George Hill for Buddy Heald and a pick. No, I don't think I'm not. not No, you'd be sorry. You'd be getting a pick with Brooke Lopez and George Hill. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I said, yeah, I said that wrong. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm not attaching assets to get off Buddy at this point, unless it's for a clear, clear upgrade. Um, Because the box, I mean, obviously Lopez just had a major back injury. They just had Bobby Portis to a four-year deal. Obviously they get off the money and Buddy Hill would be a great shooter alongside Giannis. So I think that would be the box theory behind it. And they give some kind of compensation. I think it's interesting when you look at a team like the Bucks because expiring salaries are almost worse for them than a guy like Buddy Heald would be just coming in. But I don't, I mean, if, if you can get a pick and a bunch of expiring salary for Buddy, then yeah, you should do it. I just have I, a hard time seeing that happen. I think if you could get a first for Buddy in almost any deal, you do it. Yes, almost certainly. Dep- as long as it's not THJ level money coming back, uh, just massive in long term. But yeah. Now this one, I'm not so sure the team would be willing to do, but TJ McConnell and Buddy Heald for D'Angelo Russell. He's expiring. I don't get, think so. You get off both TJ and Buddy for next year. I, I, don't, I don't think, think the Wolves do that, but I don't think they do it just because they wouldn't have any ball handlers. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, D'Angelo Russell's good. Like he's a good player, so it would be nice to turn two not great players that are definitely not on your timeline to a pretty decent player who can be on your timeline. I just have a hard time with that being an option from the Wolves side of things. I, I have, I don't see that being an option. Devonte Graham, 
for TJ McConnell, essentially. And then maybe they throw in a second just because you save them a little bit of money. Uh, I mean, at that point, I probably would. It, it, again, it, it is it is splitting so many hairs that I'd probably just take the locker room presence of TJ McConnell over okay. Devontae Graham in a second and the extra money. Matisse Leibel, essentially, I don't know. Let's say Goga and oh, I would probably say a couple seconds. Just because the Sixers really need the perimeter defense, now they don't have Ben Simmons at least this year, even if they let Thibault walk after the year. I like Thibault, and I think he would be fine on a team like this, just to give them some sort of defensive structure. I do think it would be interesting to see what the opportunity cost of knowing you would want to retain him next year, what that would do. But I, I'd be fine bringing Thibault in, even though he is smaller like he's more of a two that can play the three yeah, rather than a true three shoot. yeah yeah. Oh, yeah exactly there's also that um but no he's such a defensive just havoc maker that i'd be fine bringing him in if it was go in a second okay so then that's basically the summary of the trades i have just to give pesos fans an idea of you know guys that are going to be on the trade market guys that are attainable um i still really like that westbrook deal to be honest just because you're getting what you want from miles in the first you're getting probably more than what you expect for Buddy in a first, and you're getting that expiring contract that's going to be off the books anyway. So then you have all of a sudden upwards of $85 million next year. So with $85 million, with $68 million, however much the Pacers end up having, they're going to be substantial players next year in free agency. I have a list of guys that I don't expect, that might sign a rookie extension, might not. Like I didn't include RJ Barrett or Tyler Hero on this list because I anticipate they're signing rookie extensions. But this is a list of guys who I think could be free agents that could go one way or another, or they're definitely not signing a rookie extension. So let me go. I'm just going to name a few at a time. Then we could talk about your favorite ones and how attainable you think they might be with that cap space. DeAndre Hunter, PJ Washington, Drane Williams, Kobe White and Ayo Desunmu, and then Con Sexton we already talked about, so we don't need to talk about him. So out of those five guys, is there anyone that really said, I'm thinking of like a long-term four guy that could play alongside Isaiah Jackson if you extend him. So that's why I have DeAndre Hunter would get that defensive presence we talked about with Eibel. PJ Washington would be that stretch four that could play some backup five. Grant Williams, same thing, tough-nosed four. And then Kobe White, we already talked about, and Ayo Desunmu, because he was a second-round pick and only signed that two-year deal, is already eligible for free agency, though he will be restricted as well yeah. most guys most of those guys i just mentioned i think they're yeah. all restricted yeah i i love io so i would i'd be more than happy to bring him in even though i'm not sure what the role would be for him i just think he does enough on and off the ball both sides of the floor that uh he's worth worth bringing in uh i would de- i would definitely want hunter and pj washington um i of the two i think i would have to say pj washington Assuming we had Miles, if we don't have Miles, then I think you go Hunter because Hunter, I think, can actually play the three. PJ yeah. Washington is exclusively a four and like a back and back of five, like you said. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at with those two. Uh, Kobe White, yeah, we we touched on that, and then Grant Williams. I'm not sure. I don't think Boston what, can go, but no, they're going to be no. so deep into the tax by that point that yeah. maybe. You could poach him away. They just signed Gallinari. I, I don't know. Yeah. 
I, I mean, if he's gettable, then yeah, I say go for it. But I imagine it's going to take an overpay, and that overpay is probably going to look like $20 million a year. Yeah. And that's kind of a lot for, for a Grant Williams type, even if that is the market. Okay, my next batch of guys have Kevin Porter Jr., who very well could sign a rookie extension with Houston. We don't know. Lonnie Walker, who just signed a one-year with the Lakers. Brandon Clark. We already talked about D'Angelo Russell. I don't know if Minnesota lets him walk or just because of the lack of ball handlers. Cam Reddish. So that's Kevin Porter Jr., Lonnie Walker, Brandon Clark, and Cam Reddish. Yeah, give Cam me... Cam Reddish, I think, is by far my favorite on the system of the Pacers. I've been trying to get Cam Reddish on the Pacers for about two and a half years now, it seems like. Um, and there was some smoke to it before he got dealt to the Knicks, I believe. There was some talk of the Pacers trying to be involved. So I'd be more than happy to bring him in. And I think there's a chance that if the Donovan Mitchell to New York Knicks trade gets done, wow. that the Pacers can be involved in getting an asset like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think Lonnie Walker would be a great fit as another two that can like – can't shoot, can't really play the three uh, athlete, which is awesome, but that's kind of what we already have in Matherin. Um, Brandon Clark, I love Brandon Clark. I'd be more than happy to bring him in. I just think he's a good basketball player. It's crazy how that works. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted them to take Brandon Clark instead of Goga, so that would be that would just be coming back full circle with some irony there. Um, and then who is the other one? Kevin Porter Jr. Oh, no. I don't, I don't want KPJ. He's a player who demands too much of the ball to be effective, but isn't nearly good enough to be, uh, to, de- to have the ball that much. Um, okay. he, I, yeah. And character concerns off the floor too. Say, I, yeah. okay. I, I'm not worried about that. Okay. Then I have like, let's say nine more guys. Let's go. We already talked about Matisse Thibel, so we don't really need to touch on him, but he was on this list. I'm going to be interested to see what Thibault gets because, you know, we haven't really seen a player like even Avery Bradley and even Tony Allen were more offensively, less offensively challenged than Thibault is. I, I'm thinking Thibault gets something along the lines of what Andre Robertson got that one year when he got that contract, which I think at the time yeah. was like six and a half million a year, which would equate to Thibault getting probably about the mid-level exception now. With Ten, him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have no clue what Thibault's market's going to be. It, it, I think the 10 is a fair amount just because I don't know how much improvement to expect from him with how little we've seen so far on the offensive end. Okay, so Thibault we already talked about. Let's go Darius Basley, Cameron Johnson, Jeremy Grant, and Nasir Little. I like I, all of them. Jeremy every single one. I think a little far-fetched just because yep. it doesn't fit the timeline. Yep. But if you could coach Cam Johnson away from Phoenix, mm-hmm. Darius Basley away from OKC, or Nassil Little from Portland, I think all three of those are home runs. They all. I, belie- I believe Basley was also in the 2019 draft where Goga uh, was drafted was. Yep. because that was another guy that I wanted the Pacers to take because I have a problem with wings and I root for a team who doesn't have any of them. Uh, yep, 2019 draft. So there it is. So I. I've been trying to get Baisley on the Pacers forever as well. I think he's a fantastic wing project that has some ball skills that doesn't really get a chance to do much of it, even though the results haven't been super great. So I don't blame them. Uh, Cameron Johnson is better than what I think uh, his role is in Phoenix. And I think he grew into that last year for sure. It'll be interesting to see what what happens with him. And I don't know if he's going to be able to get an extension just because all that money they're paying Aiden now, they're going to be pretty deep into the tax. Yeah, I don't know. 
I think that's that he's very likely to be in a Kevin Durant trade if that comes to fruition. And then Nasir Little, another another guy from the 2019 draft that I wanted the Pacers to take. And so uh, I would, again, be perfectly perfectly content to bring him in. Jeremy Grant, I don't think is going to be an option. No, I, uh, I imagine he'll extend, but yeah. Again, okay. another wing. Then my last batch, again, all those guys are like threes that could play the four. And, you know, those are the two things the Pacers need the most. Okay, my last batch of four guys, I have Terrence Davis. Harrison Barnes, which same thing as Jeremy Grant. I don't conceivably see him being a fit for Indiana. So Terrence Davis, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Rui Hachimura actually might be my favorite guy on this list for them. I know they need wings, but they also need a four. Hachimura, yeah. now that Kuzma kind of took over there. They have Porzingis. They have so many guys there. I could conceivably see... Did he have the uh, two? Yeah. So I could conceivably see Hachimura being, you know, Indiana being a really good fit for him. Yeah, when the deals with Washington were being talked about and rumored with the number 10 pick, I said that that was, that was extremely unlikely to happen. Obviously, would have been excited about it. But really, I thought the name was Rui Hachimura. Like, that was the guy to go get. Or Kyle Kuzma before his uh, player option for next year. Uh, Terrence Davis, I think he's a little bit unproven, so I wouldn't mind him as a flyer with how crowded the Kings kind of are on the wing, bringing in Malik Monk, uh, obviously Keegan Murray and, and all that. Harrison Barnes. Oh yeah, Herder. Yep. Harrison Barnes, I think he would just be solid. So I fine with that. I imagine he's gonna go to a contender. Naw, I, that his name kind of speaks for himself. Uh, I don't know how good he is. I, I think if he's still on Utah, that we'll see, but I'm I don't have high hopes for him. So I wouldn't imagine that that's a flyer we need to take in the guard room. But yeah, and then Rui. I think Rui is a guy who has more upside than what he's shown so far. And his situation last year's diminished from a personal situation to where he might be undervalued heading into restricted free agency. I wouldn't be surprised to see him traded uh, to be honest. I'm going to be interested to see what the market for a lot of these guys on this list end up being, because as I said, pesos have 60 mil, Pistons have 60 mil, Rockets have 60 mil, Spurs have 60 mil. They're all rebuilding. They could all use any of these 23, 24-year-old guys, and they could pay up. You know that. Like you said, Grant Williams, $20 million a year because these guys are restricted and they don't want to, you know, have the incumbent team match. Right, exactly. I I think it's going to be a very different free agency than what we've typically seen just because of the amount of – obviously, a lot of these guys will sign rookie extensions – but if the Pacers could come away with like a Rui Hachimura and a Cam Johnson and still have, you know, 30-ish million dollars to play with after that, I, I think you're cooking with fire at that point. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm all on board with every wing in the league coming to the Pacers. So. so, okay. So then let's just quickly go about season preview. What do you expect the Pacers, let's say the starting lineup, and either the closing lineup or best lineup. Typically, the closing lineup is the best lineup, but... Uh, starting lineup at the start of the year is probably going to be Halliburton, Matherin, Heald, Smith, Turner. Okay. And uh, you could... Duarte coming off the bench. I would start Duarte at the three or at the two, whatever, swap him and Matherin. But I think the point is to trade, buddy. So you kind of got to figure that out. You can't diminish your own asset. Uh, best lineup is... I don't like Jalen Smith at the four. I really don't. Like, I, I don't understand that. But uh, best Does lineup. Is Miles Turner somewhat repetitive in the fact that they're both stretch bins? Uh, I think 
Smith has a bit more roll gravity and is a much better rebounder, but neither yeah. of them can really guard fours. And that's kind yeah. of the point getting back to double bigs, but best lineup is Halliburton, Duarte, Matherin, Smith, and Turner, assuming that O'Shea Brissett does not uh, usurp um, Jalen Smith for that four spot with uh, his actually being a four. So do you think conceivably this lineup would work. Let's say it would be Halliburton, Duarte, Heald, Matherin, and Turner. Super small. Extremely I, I small. You just said, yeah, no. Um, extremely small, but I, I think I would kind of like it. Not a lot of defense. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I know Miles is good, but Halliburton's not a great defender. Heald is not a good defender. Matherin's going to be a rookie. Duarte is a plus defender, but... I don't, I don't know Mithorne about that. In that lineup. Probably Mithorne would be, but either way. Uh, yeah, it, w- it would take playing against another small lineup to do that. And I, I could see that lineup going out against like the Mavs who are playing Dorian Finney-Smith at the four, something like that. Possibly, yeah, as long as there's not a post-up threat on the floor. Yeah. Okay. So then just overall, what are your expectations? I mean, obviously there's a team's bottoming out like Utah, San Antonio, everyone's going after Victor Wimbayama and not, not everyone, but a lot of teams either got really good or really bad. Um, so where do you think the Pacers rank? I mean, I think they rank higher now. I think they're better than the San Antonio's Utah's, the OKC's, the Houston's. I think they're right now, definitely better than Orlando, maybe better than Detroit, but that's until they sell off all their pieces. So, I mean, uh, let, let me look up what the Ve- – do you know what the Vegas over and under is for them right now? I don't. I was trying to look it up earlier and then okay, stopped me, for whatever reason. Okay, so just overall, what are your expectations? I mean, are we looking at a fifteen seed? I mean, I don't know. It's I think – Without knowing what day, what subsequent moves are going to be made. I think that the – the Magic are for sure going to be better than the Pacers. I think the Thunder will for sure be better than the Pacers unless they try not to be. And I think Houston has the chance to be for sure better than the Pacers, even with all of these older pieces, just because I think the Pacers' defense is going to be so bad that mm-hmm. it's not it's not really going to matter. Um, what, do you, what do you think the over and under is? I just pulled it up. Um. Pacers over under 28 and a half. I was going to say 27 and a half. It's 24 and a half. We can yeah, make I'll, I'll, t- over. I'll, t- I'll probably take the over on that. My, my initial thought was 25 and a half. And then I was like, nah, I'm, I'm probably too low on my own team. Just because they might win not. games early on, assuming he'll yeah. be on the roster. Yeah, it's possible. But there, there's just so many bad teams right now that. You know, I think any of those bottom teams, let's see, Houston's at 23 and a half. So they're right there. Detroit is at Detroit's at 28 and a half. So they think Detroit's pretty substantially better than Indiana at this point, yep. which Agreed. I get. Um, Orlando's 25 and a half. So it looks like the Pacers are last in the league. Utah's a 31 or last in the East. Utah's yeah. a 31 and a half, but obviously they still have Donovan Mitchell right now. The Spurs are at 22 and a half. So the Spurs have the worst in the league. So, yeah, that's the kind of company that, you know, will the Pacers are with. Yeah, so, I mean, then that makes sense. That's that's where they should be. So, yeah, I mean, I, I personally think this has been a long time coming for the Pacers. I think ever since Paul George requested out, they really needed to 
you know, set the reset button. And then all of a sudden they had recall Lyle, who's a win now coach. And then all of a sudden that's when, you know, they started retouring. So, I mean, yep. do, you, do you think Hall Lyle is going to see this rebuild through or? I have no idea what's going on with Carlisle. Honestly, I, I imagine that he would, otherwise he would, he wouldn't still be here, but yeah. I, I, I can't say for sure. It's such a weird change of direction that it's hard to say. Okay. Let's conclude this episode of the Bird Rights podcast. As I said, this is my second installment of the 30 team previews I'm going to be doing leading up to the season. I'm going to be releasing two to three episodes a week. Rhett, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, go check out Punt Intended uh, Fantasy NBA Dynasty. Um, I talk about just fantasy players from a long-term perspective and going to be putting out some stuff over on Sports Ethos about Dynasty as well. So be sure to check all of that out and follow me on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer. You guys could find me at Pod on Twitter. You can find me. I now have a TikTok where I'm posting clips from episodes and you know, NBA content. So you could follow that as well at Birdrights Pod. And I will talk to you guys next episode. Brett, thank you so much for coming on. And we will talk to you guys next time.